Are you a sneakerhead? Yeah, boy! A baller? Ballin'. Want to know about the hottest brands you can lace up and run with? Well, get ready, because we got all the details right here. Nice take by James. Oh, he stops! LeBron James puts it down in the face of James Johnson. Kevin Durant way outside. Delivers! Kevin Durant from downtown. It's a six-point game. And it goes off to Kobe. Good to ride Kobe underneath. Puts his nose on the line again. Makes the basket. He's fouled. Oh, what a play. And Kobe, after he was fouled, after the ball nestled in the net, he waved to a cameraman down in front. Says, take my picture, baby. Sixers running the break. Iverson accelerating to the jam. It's kicks and bricks where we got game on the streets, and on the court. Money's gotta be the shoes. Shoes, shoes, shoes. shoes. You sure it's not the shoes? I'm sure, Mars. Money's gotta be the shoes. And here's your host, Jamel Cutler. What up? Welcome to Kicks. I got my boy from West Baltimore, Delante De Souza, pulling up. You can currently see him on Winning Time, currently streaming on HBO. What's up, my guy? How you doing? I'm doing good, brother. How you doing? Man, I can't complain. You know, spring is almost here. Well, well, spring is here officially, but in New York, we get all the seasons before six o'clock. But spring yeah. is here. <laughs> spring is here, and I really can't complain. Life is good. Hey, that's great to hear, man. Yeah, stand out on the West Coast now, but man, and growing up in Baltimore, you get those crazy winners, right? So you got to be thankful for spring. You know, speaking of Baltimore, uh, what was it like growing up on the West Side of um, Baltimore? That's a great question. I mean, for me, <clears throat> you know, so I was born and raised in Baltimore City. The West Side had its own culture. You know, Baltimore is a very neighborhood by neighborhood city, right? So if you're from the west side of Baltimore, you know everybody on the west side. If you're from the east side of Baltimore, you know everybody on the east side. Like it kind of it kind of falls in its own sections like that. But I mean, growing up, man, I was um I was in the house a lot. So I really didn't do too much, you know, outside, but you know, I had family that was outside, you know, in the community, in the neighborhoods and things like that. So that's kind of how that's kind of how I got to know the neighborhood through all of my like family, relatives, things like that. Did growing up in um, West Baltimore like mold you as an actor any? Yeah, man, actually it did. There's a, um, I always like to tell this story. There's this uh, this theater in Baltimore, it's called the Arena Players. Um, it's a community theater and it's actually the oldest and longest running African-American community theater in the United States. So, <clears throat> you know, that's kind of where I came up with my theater background and my training, you know, doing plays and like, little musicals, things like that. It was more of a an outlet, you know what I mean? For like, for kids like me growing up in the city so that we'd have something to do after school so we wouldn't have to be on the streets and we wouldn't have to, you know, get involved in that life and, you know, basically get into trouble. Um, but yeah, man, everything I learned as an actor, all the foundation, the roots of it stems back from Baltimore. Acting wise, did you look up to anybody to like kind of hone your skills after? Like, did you take like Denzel's walk or? You know, something like that. Yeah, I had a um, I had a couple of influences. Um, right now, I can say the top three actors that I sort of looked up to growing up was uh Jamie Foxx, 
Denzel, of course, that's a given. Um, mm-hmm. Will Smith, you know, those are my uh, top three. Like Jamie's charisma on screen, Will Smith's charisma, Denzel's presence and power, like all those things I try to incorporate in my acting and with every role I do, you know what I mean? Like that was the, that's the blueprint for me. All right, so like those three guys that you just mentioned, are we gonna see some of those characteristics in your portrayal of uh, Michael Cooper? Oh, uh, you might Showtime? see a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you might see a little bit. Um, nah, man, I, I'd say Michael Cooper is a uh, completely different character from all three of those guys. <laughs> And that's what kind of makes the role exciting and fun to play is that it, it, it really, um, in a lot of ways, I like to say me and Cooper similar, just in the research that I've done and how he carried himself, how he was on the team, sort of like the underdog, um, you know, and I carry that same mentality with me. So it was really kind of me playing myself almost oh, with wow. this role in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you didn't like link up with um, Michael Cooper or any to like, you know, get some of his characteristics down, like his, like his tone of voice, his, his playing style, stuff, stuff of that nature. Nah, I actually haven't had a chance to link up with them. It's funny because LA is a very small uh, circle once you, you know, once you are kind of in it. Um, so I did get a chance to meet uh, Mr. Nixon, Norm Nixon, as far as like Rick Fox, some of the Laker guys, uh, but I haven't had a chance to touch base with Coop. But I mean, based on everything I hear, man, he's, he's, a, he's a real stand-up dude, and I can't wait to meet him when I get the opportunity. Initially, how did you get attached to the um, project? Like, what was your audition like for it? So, oh man, this was like, this was like summer of 2019, I think. I was, um, I was catching the bus back and forth to New York from Baltimore. That's like three and a half hours just doing auditions and stuff like that. Um, and you know, I never booked anything. I wasn't like, I never had like a, a film or TV credit. So that was just kind of the, the process for me as a working actor. Well, trying to be a working actor. Right. Um, but it was like summer of 2019, like, I think it was like July and I'm on actors access, which is this website that actors use to like look for auditions and like casting calls and stuff like that. And I just saw this one, um, this one post, it was like, looking for a six foot tall person to play this basketball player, um, you know, for C photo attached. And at the time I didn't know who Michael Cooper was. Like, I didn't know any of, like, I I knew about Magic Johnson and Kareem, like everybody, but like, I didn't know about all the Showtime Lakers of that era. So um, honestly, dude, I just kind of, submitted it on like a random whim and was like yo if they hit me up they hit me up but it was like in and out like just gone out of my mind after I after I submitted my headshot and then a couple days later I got a audition for it from uh Francine Mazel who's the casting director so I took I took a second look at Michael Cooper's photo and I was like dang maybe me and him do look kind of similar like I don't know, maybe I can have like a little little bit of a chance at this. So I sent in my um I sent in my audition tape. I did my scenes uh and then um you know I sent in a basketball tape to uh Francine. Then next thing you know, within a week or so, I was having a producer session with uh Adam McKay, Max Bornstein, Kevin Messick, all the producers for the show, Jim Hecht. And then 15 minutes into the producer session, um 
I was I was pretty certain I had booked the role. And this was all through like Skype at the time, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't mm-hmm. Zoom wasn't the the hot thing back then, it was Skype. So all of this was like happening virtually for me. But yeah, man, it just like within this one audition, it just changed my life, really. So it's kind of like poetic justice. You basically shot your shot and got the role for <laughs> basketball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Got like them buzzer beaters at the end of the movie mm-hmm. where they just toss the ball up two seconds on the clock and it goes in. <laughs> like Carlton, like Carlton from the Fresh Prince, but your shot went in though. Yeah, exactly. Man, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned you had to send a basketball tape in. Like, whoa, like what kind of things were you doing on the tape? Were you doing like actual moves or were you just like shooting around? Oh man, I love to tell this story. So uh Jeff Perlman, who uh, wrote the book, he uh, he saw my tape. So two years ago, keep in mind, it was two years ago. I had I had ran track in high school, and I was a track athlete. Like most of the guys on the show who play the players are athletes in some regard. Like some are football players, some played basketball before, some like do other sports, baseball. But I came from track, so basketball was kind of a new sport to me. I'd played it like recreationally like with my friends and stuff but I never played like an organized basketball game um so shooting the the tape was just really it was just super basic stuff like just like going down for a layup just going from like the free throw line like just showing that I can move and bounce the ball at the same time um (laughs) the funny part about the tape was that I did it all left-handed and uh because I am left-handed naturally so when I booked the role and I went to my first basketball practice, um, our coach, uh, Elon uh, Ravin, he was like, all right, let me see you like move around. Let me see you shoot. So I grabbed the ball. I shot it with my left hand. And he just looked at me. He was like, wait, you're left-handed? And I was like, uh, yeah. He was like, oh, this is a problem. We got some work to do. <laughs> oh, no. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, man, I think, um, yeah, the uh, the whole process of it was really beautiful, man. Just like mm-hmm. being able to train with Edon and, and work on the plays that we got on the show, kind of emulating how the Showtime Lakers moved, all that stuff was such a learning process for me that, you know, my my game increased significantly and I'm playing right-handed now. So, you know, mm-hmm. I like to put that out there. The show has gotten some pretty decent reviews. Um, like you talk about like all the great reviews that the show has gotten. I think we're like three three episodes in so far, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, put three episodes in. Yeah. Um... It's good to see that people are very receptive to the show. I know that there was a lot of um, backlash from the Lakers organization about how, you know, certain figures would be portrayed in the show and things like that. But I think that we're trying to keep it as respectful as possible of these people's, you know, histories and legacies because that's what this is. We're 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 creating a love letter to the Lakers and to the game of basketball. So you know, we don't never in any way want to like, you know um jeopardize or talk badly about the name but at the same time we want to we want to tell the realities of what the nba was like i mean back in the 80s the nba was on the brink of bankruptcy you know like it was like Mm -hmm. 
like, like bowling was more popular than watching basketball back in the day. Like it's crazy to think about, but just like telling the history of basketball, the Lakers organizations, each of these players, that's kind of what excited us and what, what I think people resonate with most on the show. You know, I see a lot on the time, a lot of the time on the internet, um, people are like typing in what did, did magic really play Norman one-on-one in the white party? Like, did this really happen? Did Jerry bust this? And it's just interesting to see now people are starting to really create an interest and research the history of the Lakers, magic, the NBA, all that stuff as a whole. Like it's, it's really cool to see. You know, the funniest part of the um, series so far is just seeing Jerry West. I'm like, that dude was a wild boy back then. <laughs> I'm like, I, like, I look at him now and I can't even see him doing most of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy, man. <laughs> like, and that's the funny thing too. Everybody's like, dude, Jerry West in this show is hilarious. Like, <laughs> they they love him. They love him in the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and like, there's some haters out there, but um, like, do you think once they actually sit down and watch the entire series, and um, that they might, you know, have a change of heart about the series? For sure. I think that the series, this series in particular, like I said, it's a love letter to basketball. Um, you know, we made it, well, I can't really say we, but we, we joined this project because we all have a passion for sports, a passion for basketball. And I think that's what makes this project so special. You know, at the end of the day, this project is about how a team in the 80s rose and dominated the decade and became one of the most legendary teams in the NBA, legendary dynasties, you know? Um, so that just rise to, to power and that rise to, to success is really what we're trying to talk about. You know, when you strip everything down to its core, that's what the story is about. So I think if people resonate with that and they want to see that, you know, that's that they should have a good time watching. During your research for Michael Cooper, um, did you discover like any similarities between yourself as a person and, and Michael Cooper, the basketball player? Yeah, yeah, I discovered I discovered a, a lot of similarities like, um, you know, just from the interviews I watched and kind of how Michael Cooper presented himself. Um, He, like I said, he had a, um, I almost want to call it an underdog mentality. Like mm -hmm. he was, he was the role player, you know, he was willing to do whatever it takes all the work that the other players didn't, uh, didn't need to do or want to do. And he took that and kind of made that his superpower, you know, instead of trying to be the best scorer he focused on being the best defensive stopper in the league you know and I think that's where we share a similar mentality in that we're willing to do whatever it takes to uh be successful mm -hmm. and also like he's one of the best six men in NBA history like his stats don't really pop out at you but at the end of the day like if it wasn't for him and like doing all the little things 
that he did that don't show up on the stat sheet. You know, I don't think, you know, Magic would have those um, five titles that he ended up with. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people think of the, the, the Showtime era as Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, James Worthy, Byron Scott, you know, all those guys. But I mean, Cooper was, was there all 10, like throughout that whole decade, you know, he came in in 78. He didn't play because he, uh, he uh, had a knee injury uh, before the season started. And his first season was that 79-80 season with Magic Johnson. And just, you know, just seeing, like you said, that not being represented on the stat sheet, you know, is um, is a little bit eye-opening to see just how much, like you said, the little things matter. All right, so like as an actor, like do you think it's harder for an actor with no basketball experience or no athletic experience to portray an athlete or basketball player? Or is it, you know, better to get an actual basketball player or an actual athlete to portray, you know, that person on camera? Mm, That's a great question, Jamal. Um, It really depends. You know, with this show in particular, there was a mix. So some some of the players, are actors that play basketball, right? And then some of the other players are basketball players that act, if you know what I mean. Like, um, great example, uh, Solomon Hughes, who plays Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on the show. You know, he's a hooper. He played in college. He played, um, I think he did a little bit of a stint in the uh, Harlem Globetrotters too, but he was a basketball player that became an actor for the show, you know, whereas myself, like I said, I came from a track and field background. So basketball was, you know, kind of a new sport to me. So I had to go from actor to basketball player. And I think it just really depends on um, kind of where you're at already, how similar you are to that person, kind of what you're, what they're looking for with that particular character. Because Solomon, I will say, like, his performance in the show is amazing. I mean, he pulls off Kareem so well, but him and Kareem also share that, like, that stoic kind of nature, you know, that 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 mm-hmm. very profound presence. So for him, it wasn't really, it, he, he didn't really have to act, you know what I mean? It was already inside of him the whole time. And that's why I think his performance is, uh, is so genuine, especially when you can get to see it later on in the season. You know, I seen that one scene when he was on the airplane, like he was giving me kind, like, like he was giving me Kanye vibes, though, like the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that scene is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, man, he's a Solomon's a great dude, but it's just an example of like basketball players becoming actors versus actors becoming basketball players. You know. Facts, man. So like there's a so like there's a lot of funny moments on the show, like like me personally, I have a dark sense of humor. So like a lot of stuff that's supposed to that that's not supposed to be funny is kind of like funny to me. So like but like but like do you see um winning time as a satire or more of a serious telling of the of that era of basketball? Well, one of the things that I think we want to highlight is that 
the show is created by Adam McKay, right? And Max Bornstein. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know Adam McKay's work, you know he did Don't Look Up, he did uh, The Big Short, he did uh, Vice. Like, with all of his projects, there's always an element of humor because, you know, that's just what he brings to the table. Um, so with the comedy in this show, it's definitely like right up Adam McKay's alley and right like Adam McKay vibes. But I do also think that there is a uh, gravitas and a, a dramaticness to the show that still grounds it. So I think the show has its funny moments, like you said, um, but ultimately it's a it's a uh, dramatic scripted piece on the Showtime Lakers. Are there any scenes that stick out to you? Like for me, it was like the very first scene in, in episode one when Magic got the news of his HIV at the doctor's office. Like if you're a certain age, you know exactly what you were doing when that announcement was made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I definitely agree with you. That scene in the pilot where uh, Magic gets the news about HIV is definitely one of the scenes that kind of shake you from the jump, you know what I mean? Just coming into the show, it's like, okay, now I know where we are. Let's go back and see how we got here, you know? Um, Other scenes that stand out to me, I mean, the scene between uh, Jerry West and Jerry Buss in the pilot where uh, Jerry West is talking about drafting Sidney Moncrief over Magic Johnson um, I mean, that was a beautiful scene by Jason Clark and John C. Riley. I mean, both those actors just, you know, went for it. But it's just the scenes that stand out, and there's so many of them, I can't even name them. And there's so many more to come in the later episodes. Um, they're just so beautifully done. And there are going to be more scenes where you know exactly where you were when that event happened. You know, can't really go into too much detail about it yet because it hasn't dropped, but we've got more scenes where those are memorable moments. You know, the sex and and the rock and roll vibe is is a big part of what made that team kind of kind of into, you know, a cultural phenomenon. You know, if it wasn't for the backstories, the forum club, the celebs, um, do you think that we that that right now we would be still talking that we would still be talking about them? Yeah, I do think we would because given the cultural background of what was happening during that era and around the Lakers during that time, you know, them being the superstars basically, um, it still did not that they played some amazing basketball, you know? You know, when you remove the glitz and the glamour and all the, the wild sex and drugs and parties that were happening in the 70s and 80s, you know, the Lakers still won five championships during that decade. So they still they still became one of the, you know, most powerful franchise organizations in, in the league at that point. Um, so I think they would still be remembered and still be talked about. Now, the other stuff, is that like kind of, extra extra glitz and glam on there yeah for sure but that doesn't take away from what they accomplished during that era if it's on top or down below having well-groomed hair or no hair at all is important to every man on the dating scene manscaped is the world leader in men's grooming and hygiene products 
They offer the best tools and liquid formulation for the three main odor zones for your body, butt, and balls. Manscaped has helped me out on countless date nights and pleasurable after-hour adventures. They've hooked me up with a lot of stuff from their Perfect Package 4.0 kit. The Lawnmower 4.0 is cordless and water-resistant, so you can trim your sensitive areas in the shower. It features a wireless charging system with LED lights to show how much juice your trimmer has left. The Crop Preserver Ball deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball toner spread for a full day's worth of body protection. The Crop Cleanser makes sure the rest of your body is clean. The kit also includes the ball shaving mat called the Magic Mat, Manscaped Boxers, a t-shirt, and the Shed Travel Bag. Just go to manscaped.com and use the promo code KICKS, that's K-I-C-K-Z, and save 20% on your order. When you heard all these stories about, you know, the stuff in the clubs and the girls and stuff, like, what was the most surprising thing that you heard? Oh, man, I heard, um, I was doing some research for the role, and I heard that, um, I was reading that during the away games, um, you know, when the players would be staying at, like, the hotels and stuff, after the game, there would be literally hundreds of girls waiting outside the hotel room, just trying to get a chance at the players. Probably, like, usually it was magic, but, um, yeah, it was just crazy, the, like, following they had during that time, just the amount of, like, uh, I want to say paparazzi, but just, like, fame at that time is, like, overwhelming. Earlier, you mentioned um, John C. Riley, but Adrian Brody, he's another, you know, veteran that's on the series. Um, like, acting-wise, did you pick up anything from those guys? Oh, man, I picked up, I picked up so much stuff from everybody on the set. One of the things I like to say the most is that as an actor, you can, you can take all of the classes that you want. You can do all the studying that you want, but there is no other learning or teaching like being on set. Like, I mean, just the way John C just controls and captivates an audience, the way Jason Clark just becomes so passionate and so vulnerable with I mean, literally every scene he does, it's just, you just can't take your eyes off of Jason. Adrian Brody just brings such a, uh, such a presence and such a, a gravitas to Pat Riley. You know, when you see him, even from the, the third episode that we just got into, now we'll see a lot more Pat Riley going on later in the season, but man, he, he's amazing with it. And then, you know, we got other guys like Jason Siegel, uh, Tracy Letts, you know, Rob Morgan, all those guys, I've taken bits and pieces, you know, with me just from watching them on set, watching how they move, even when they're not on camera and seeing their uh, their takes, man. It's just a plethora of, of extremely talented performers and actors on set. I'm learning every day, honestly. That's good, man. Um, are you guys going to cover like the entire era of the 1980s during this season or are you guys going to like break it up like? All right, season one kind of sets the tone for, you know, how the team came together and then like go from there. Yeah, it's more of the uh, more of the latter. Season one is uh, really more focused on how the team came together, how Jerry Buss started to build the Showtime Lakers, as we know, and how that first year with Magic Johnson kind of transpired into them winning their first championship his rookie year. So 
you know, the plan for the show is to be multi-seasons where we go into, you know, further years into the Showtime Lakers era. But for right now, this first season is more so based on that that entire first year with Magic just coming into the NBA. I saw somewhere that is rumored that the Kobe and Shaq Lakers might get their own drama. Um, like, what would a show like that look like? And I and I just so happen to have the book right here. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> we, we need this series, man. Yeah, I was talking to uh, I was talking to Jeff this weekend about his book, um, and yeah, man, I I honestly have no idea what it would look like. You know, I know uh, Jeff optioned the book, and that's already been a thing. But yeah, I'm not sure what it would look like. I mean, I hope we get a Shaq and Kobe spinoff. That'd be amazing. You know, I I would love to watch that. And just keep it going for as long as we can. Who do you think will win in the seven-game series between you know Magic's Lakers and Kobe and Shaq's um, Lakers? Oh, oh, that's a good question. You got Phil Jackson on one side, Pat Riley on the other side. Okay, and we got we got Showtime with Magic, right? So we got Kareem. Mm-hmm. Okay, we got, we got the Kareem whole and all them guys. Mm-hmm. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's in their prime. Okay. Man, <laughs> man, look, I love and respect the Shaq and Kobe era. Kobe's one of my favorite players, but man, Showtime was cold, dog. Showtime was so cold. Behind the back, no look passes for Magic. Oh my God, Kareem Skyhook, like Cooper locking down everybody on defense. I don't know. Well, I will say, here's the tough part. It'd be a tough matchup of Kareem versus Shaq just because of the size difference. So I would be interested in seeing how that works. But, yeah, my bet would be on Showtime. I don't see nobody stopping Kobe, though. That's what I'm saying. Like, (laughs) not even magic. (laughs) Yeah. Is there another sports team... that you want to see have their own drama. I think Al Davis Raiders from that same time period might mm-hmm. make some com- make some compelling TV or like even something with the 98 Bulls and Michael Jordan or the Heatles with LeBron and Wade. Yeah. I mean, dude, I would love if they did like The Last Dance and they made that another spinoff, you know what I mean? With like, with Jordan, Scottie Pippen, uh, Dennis Rodman, and we get to see the Bulls era you know, and how they took over in the 90s. I would love to see something like that. I think that would make for another interesting, uh, another interesting show, the, the, the Bulls. I mean, because Michael Jordan was such a cultural icon too. You know what I mean? Like Magic Johnson took over the 80s, but then Michael Jordan took over the 90s. Like it's, it's crazy just to be able to see inside, you know, the personal lives of of Michael Jordan and all these players. And I mean, The Last Dance was such a beautiful documentary. I would love to see more. It was. Yeah. It was a good documentary and, and Scottie Pippen was hating the whole time. And I could see him kind of hating on the, on the hypothetical um, Bulls um, drama somewhere. Here's the thing. It's like, here's the thing though. Like, I think the players all, like all the players on this show, you know, kind of bringing it back to winning time, all the players that we play 
may have their own personal views on how they're portrayed or presented in the show, coaches, you know, everybody who's 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 in the show. I feel like again it goes back to this is not something that we're making to tarnish the name or the legacy of you know of of the players, the coaches, everyone involved in the Lakers. It's like we're trying to tell people about how beautiful your story is. And I think, you know, if we were to do the hypothetical Bulls kind of spinoff, it would also be a great story about Scottie Pippen, about Jordan, about Dennis Rodman, about Steve Kerr, like all those guys. Like, it's just, we're trying to highlight how significant your life was or life is and how significant your career was and how you contributed to the game. You know what I mean? And kind of like going back to winning time, you know, I think the MVP of that whole era has to be AC Green. Mm. As you know, because because Duke was around all the women, you know, all the parties, and Duke didn't fold not one time. The most, most fateful award goes to AC Green. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Most the NBA Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it couldn't be me. It couldn't be me. I think man. I wouldn't last about two hours. Man. Try, try and do the right thing. If there, if it's anything like how we like got it on the show, which I'm sure it probably it is and more and more so. Yeah, man. I think I'd be out of there too. I don't know if I could do it. <laughs> It's crazy. Uh, tapping out. I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm sure it was worse in real life. If yeah. you guys are actually portraying in it anyway. Yeah. So you know, we gotta pay for the extras, but like in real life, they were just there for free. So like I can't imagine how crazy it was. <laughs> All right. So what do you think about like this year's Lakers squad? You know, I'm really surprised, you know, they're gonna finish this year with a losing record. Yeah, but you know what? I also took some time to think about it. And I just think that the Lakers squad this year just it just they just need some time to find their gel and flow. Like, you know, there's been some some games where the Lakers haven't played very well, and there's been some games where they played great. And you can see the synchronicity and the synergy flowing. So I think it's just really more about even if we don't, you know, go far this year, taking the offseason to just find that that uh that gel, you know. Because I believe the talent is there, you know, but I think it's just about everybody gelling together and kind of making the whole system work as a whole. I think Westbrook, I know he's getting all the criticism. He's still, he's still having a good year, 18-7-7. I think the last um, Lakers guard to average that was Magic Johnson. Mm -hmm. So, he, you know, he's not having a triple-double year, but I think he's getting a lot of unfair criticism. Yeah, and like, I feel like people also have to understand that, you know, Westbrook is dropped into a team of superstars, LeBron, James, AD, like, and he's like plopped into the system. So of course there's going to be like some some bumps in the road. There are going to be some things to figure out. Um, but like you said, he still has a pretty decent record this year. So, you know, I think the hope is there. I think the... The potential is there. We just have to 
kind of see and figure out how well how it all works together. By the time this airs, LeBron, he should clear thirty-seven thousand career points. You know, by next year he should pass Kareem. You know, for first all time, like we like like all time. Where would you, you know, rank Bron amongst your um, top players? Top players, okay. Um, LeBron's top five for sure. Let me go down the list. I got now. I don't. I don't have the particular order right now, but yeah, just no naming. Cause, yeah, because yeah, it gets dicey at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. So I got Kobe, Jordan, Coop. Of course, I gotta have Coop. Uh, LeBron, and then my personal favorite player right now is Dame. So, yeah, no, LeBron's definitely Yeah, man, Dame, Dame is so clutch, bro. He is so clutch. Literally, man. I've been, I've been, I've been waiting for him to to come to the Knicks, but by the time that happened, he might be already past his prime. Yeah, I feel like he's gonna be in uh, he's gonna be in Portland for a while. Hey, <laughs> but he's still killing it, man. So. Yeah, you I know, love, you, uh, you're from Baltimore. Um, do you like the Wizards any? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the Wizards. I actually went to um, when John Wall was there. I used to go to a couple games to watch him play. You know, DC is about an hour out from Baltimore, so you know you you mm-hmm. got to kind of drive down there. But yeah, man, I love the Wizards. I haven't been to a game recently because you know LA now. But yeah, man, that that the Wizards are are, are kind of home for me. You know. Yo, I remember one time I was at a Wizards game. I forgot, I forgot who they was playing, but John Wall was still a point guard. And I was in the locker room doing interviews or whatever. Went back to the hotel, changed my clothes. I go to Rose Bar. It's like a um, club by the arena. He's already there. What? <laughs> man, man. <laughs> Just you, just hearing you mention Rose Bar just got me so geeked right now. Like I'm like, oh yeah, you definitely know the DMV. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> man. All right, man. So before we go, I want to play a game. It's, it's called Start Bench Cut. I just name you three things, and you tell me if you're gonna start it, bench it, or cut it. All right. Okay. Cool. So we got the Showtime Lakers, we got the Kobe and Shaq Lakers, and we got the Heatles. Damn, this is tough. Hold up. The other one I had was um kind of tough. I had to change this one around because the the first one I had, I was tinkering, I was tinkering with. I'm like, damn, nobody can answer that one. Yeah. Instead, <laughs> instead of the Heatles, I had Jordan's Bulls. Oh, that would have been crazy. Yeah, so I just put the Heatles in. There. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Gotta we gotta start the Showtime Lakers because that's just out of respect. Mm. Gotta start the Showtime Lakers. Um, damn, I feel like you kind of know where I'm going to go with it already, you know? <laughs> Like, you know, we're gonna bench the Shaq and Kobe Lakers because we got to keep the Lakers squad. And then I guess mm-hmm. we're going to cut the heels, man. You know, when I was doing this in my head, I kind of had. All right, if I was doing it, I would have. I would have started. The Kobe and Shaq Lakers, right? Bench, bench the Heatles, and then cut the Showtime Lakers. Oh, you would have cut the Showtime like, Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. That Bron, like he's he's a different 
type of player, man. Hey, that is true. That is true. Yeah. Yeah, man. I don't know. Dang. Yeah. But this same situation with the Bulls, you know, that would have been, I couldn't even, I was going back and forth with it. And so I just changed it. Yeah, I feel like I couldn't even answer it at that point. Like you throw the Bulls in there, I don't know what's about to happen to anybody, man. All right, so, so, all right, so the next one we have, all right, the next couple is going to be all Lakers. The next one is we have Kobe. LeBron and Magic Johnson. Start Ooh. one, bench one, and cut one. Start one, bench one, cut one. So we got Magic, Kobe, and LeBron. Mm -hmm. Start Kobe. All right. Yeah, you got to start Kobe. God, you put me in a rock and a hard place with these <laughs> ones. <laughs> Let me see. Start Kobe. I mean, LeBron been going crazy, though. That's the thing. I mean, like, LeBron and Magic, I think LeBron would, like, cook Magic. You think so? Yeah, like, Le <laughs> LeBron, he's super athletic. Like, that's the only, like, Magic's only chance would be in a in a jump shooting contest. Like, he not meeting LeBron at the summit. Yeah, but I feel like also the game of basketball was played differently back then. So, like, that's also another thing to consider. You know what unless I mean? He, unless he rough, um, unless he roughs him up or something. Yeah. Um. Damn, I guess I'm gonna have to bench Magic because I, I think I'm gonna go with Magic on the one on one. All right. Yeah. All right. The next, the next one is Big Man. Okay. We got, we got Shaq, Kareem, and Wilt. Ooh. Wilt Chamberlain. Okay. This is a good one. I, I'm, I'm getting excited about this one. Start Wilt. Going to start Wilt. Bench Kareem. Nah. I'm really deciding between Wilt and Kareem right now. Like, who do I want to start? I mean, Wilt was just crazy athletic, but Kareem got that crazy skyhook. So it's kind of a toss-up. Mm -hmm. mm. Can't go wrong either way. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You can't lose either way with Will or Kareem. Like, you're still good regardless. I'm going to start Kareem, bench Will, and then, yeah, let go of Shaq. Hey, I don't think Will will mind, you know, at, because um, because after the games, he was holding court in the clubs, too. I think he would fit perfectly in with the um, Showtime Lakers. Mm -hmm. Especially yeah. for after hours stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. The last one you should appreciate it is Baltimore food spots. Well, Baltimore and DC. Okay. All right. We got Lake Trout, Sterlings, and Ben's hot dogs. Okay. Lake Trout, Sterlings, and Ben's hot dogs. Yeah. Mmm. Oh. And now we're going, we're going to cut. I mean, we're going to uh, start bench and cut long. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm not even sure if that's the real name, Ben's Hot Dogs, but I think it's like Ben's Kitchen, something like that. Oh, Ben's Chili Bowl? 
that's it. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. We're going to start Sterling's. We're going to start Sterling's because seafood in Baltimore is, is delicious. We're going to we're going to bench Ben's because it's been a staple in the DMV for so long. And the food is great, but it's also like part of the DMV tradition now. Dang, I feel like we got cut Lake Trout. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think See, Lake this, Trout's still open. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like this one goes beyond the food. It's like <laughs> the significance these restaurants had in the community, you know what I mean? <laughs> I think Lake Trout was was in the hood, if I'm not mistaken. The last time I went down there, yeah, 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 yeah it was. <laughs> All right, man. Cool. Um, I want I want to thank you for joining me today. You know, I really enjoyed this this convo. Like, do you have any upcoming projects that you're working on? Um, yeah, man. I think um, you know, I got some stuff coming up in the works that I can't really talk about too much right now, but. Oh. You know, all I all I can really say now is like, I mean, winning time is is hot. Winning time is the hottest show in town. Um, be sure to check it out. I'm coming up this Sunday in episode four, so that's when uh, Michael Cooper makes his debut. So it'll be pretty exciting to watch. Bro, before we go, yes. I got beef with with um Showtime. <laughs> the whole Showtime yeah. with all of no. them. No, no, just. Just one scene. Okay. All right. They, they had Kareem listening to revolutionary records and um, reading books, like revolutionary books. And then in the background, there was a white woman. Yeah. Like, we're like, what was going on with that? That was that was actual his. <laughs> that was that was facts. That was um, um, Cheryl Pistono was uh, Kareem's girlfriend at the time, and. You know, a lot of the stuff that you see earlier on in the show regarding like Kareem, the books he's reading, you know, kind of his 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 vibe. Uh, it all builds up later in the season to a, I mean, a magnificent episode in the show. So, you know, we'll, we're, we're going to get into all that stuff as the season goes on. But I'm glad y'all pointed, you noticing, like you, you, you took account of it because, uh, yeah, it's it's um. Oh man, I really want to like talk about it, but not like spoil it. But it's coming down the pipeline. That's all I can say. <laughs> all right, bro. Thanks, man. I really do appreciate you, man. Of course. Thank you for having me on, Jamel. <laughs>